You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Royal Rebounds TV with Calvin and Barry. Just two crazy fans of the Sacramento Kings, and they share their opinion. So be sure that you subscribe. It's for the fans, by the fans. Whether you chilling on the couch or wilding in the stand. For laid-back conversations about the Kings, subscribe here. Staying down until we come up thinking this going to be our year. We're here drinking beer, talking about the Kings. Be sure you subscribe so you can hear that bell ring. Yeah. What up, Kings fans? Welcome back to Royal Rebounds, the Sacramento Kings YouTube channel for fans by fans. Unfortunately, the Kings lose tonight 113-114 to the Dallas Mavericks. De'Aaron Fox scores 44 points tonight, but Kings lose. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to smash that like button down below. And if you would like to join the Royal family with Calvin and I, make sure you hit that subscribe button before the shot clock expires. Yeah, tough pill to swallow tonight, Kings fans, or today, I guess. Uh, man, Aaron Fox gave it everything he's got. Unfortunately, he, the Kings didn't have anything else to give, right? Yeah. Late game execution, pretty bad, too. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. Yep. If you're listening via your favorite podcast platform, we would appreciate a five-star rating. And if you would like to be a part of the show, you can always join us live after every single game here on YouTube. We'll be right back with your Kings nightcap. We're here. We're drinking beers. And we're talking about your Sacramento Kings. Oh, no draft beer tonight, Calvin. We got cans. We got Pacifico, courtesy of Fred Dixon. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred. Shout out to Fred. So as I said there, unfortunately, the Kings lose tonight in a nail-biter. It's a rough game, Calvin. You know, the Kings started out really hot. I actually didn't know that this game started so early. I missed the entire first quarter, and I look at my phone, and I'm like, oh, Kings are up. I got to watch this game. I thought I was going to get some yard work done today. Unfortunately, I did not, but I, I tuned into the Kings game, and the Kings were up. Uh, you know, big in this game and unfortunately end up losing to the Mavericks late with a buzzer beater three. 
Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the obviously losing or uh, giving away a 19-point lead is bad, but th that's who the Kings have been all season long. I, that's not really the surprise to me here, if there is a surprise. Uh, to me, it was just the, the execution both offensively and defensively late in the game. You know, these last maybe four, five, six, seven possessions, you get, thank you again, Fred. Appreciate you, man. Um, you get a couple of really bad threes by Dante DiVincenzo, and mm -hmm. I mean really bad. One of them, the shot clock is running down on him, but he still has enough time to find Justin Holiday open in the corner. And he chooses not to, puts up his second air ball. air ball in a row. And he was like six feet behind the line when it he was shot deep. That. Both yeah. of those yeah. were deep, very deep threes. Um, you know, it, it's it's just more of what more of the same, right? That we've talked about with this team all year long. I mean, De'Aaron Fox deserves all the praise in the world for his performance tonight, both on offense and defense. He really worked hard mm -hmm. defensively in that second half, especially. But that's the problem when De'Aaron Fox is your best player and he's having a great game is that it's him. It's yeah. as many times as he can get to the basket. If he makes or converts on most of those shots, great, but he doesn't always convert. He doesn't always get to the free throw line and there's no other movement, whether it's uh, cutters or ball movement from the rest of the team. It's just yeah. a very, very playground isolation style game and De'Aaron Fox is a very talented player, but the Kings are not a good enough team to play that way. They they need movement with the ball, cutters, all that stuff. They need everybody to be involved. They need to get Sabonis some better looks too. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy is not taking enough shots in my opinion. I don't think that they're working hard enough to get him the ball in the right position either. Yeah, he's getting doubled really early, um, but there's ways that you can work around that. And then defensively, Davion Mitchell and – Darren Fox were really good tonight on mm -hmm. the ball. Nobody else was, though. That second half, the Mavericks made a great adjustment. Their plan was to attack really early in the shot clock. They got to the free throw line a ton of times. I think 12 free throw attempts in that third quarter, which matches their free throw attempts for the entire first half. Um, and then they they hit their open threes when, when they had to knock them down as well. You know, give credit to Spencer Dinwiddie. He hit some really tough shots down the stretch. Yeah, that dude had a game. And uh, I don't know if we mentioned it already, but Luka Doncic sat in this game uh, due to a toe injury. He was a late scratch. De'Aaron Fox really did it all. Unfortunately, he does miss that free throw towards the end of the game, uh, which was huge. I don't want to put the blame on him because he did more than enough to no. win this game for the Kings. But stuff like that happens. And then the wide open three, Justin Holiday. I don't know why he collapsed inside. There was already two guys doubling. Yeah, it's it's one of those things though. I was actually just having this conversation with Ethan while I was while we were watching this play, and he said the same thing. What is Justin Holiday doing on that? Yeah. I, I get it. I, what it looks like to us watching, it's a bad play, right? But anybody who's played basketball knows this. You're taught from the, from the time you're in third grade, mm -hmm. if you're that corner wing help defender, when somebody gets beat off the drive, you have to sag in. It's a natural reaction. They, guys do it without even thinking about it. I mean, that's, that's just – it was actually a phenomenal play designed by Jason Kidd. They run the fake pick and roll with Dinwiddie and Brunson. Uh, you, you get everybody else spread out, so the middle of the lane is wide, wide open. There's nobody inside to help. 
Um, and Jalen Brunson gets to his strong hand, his left hand. He gets by Davion Mitchell, and that was the play right there. I mean, he either gets to the basket and gets a look there, or it's not just uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. The whole, de- all the defense is going to collapse on that, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're all spread out, and somebody gets beat off the drive. So he would have had a kick out three in either corner. Um, it-, it was a really, really well designed play. Yeah, I just it, it's rough to give up that corner three, especially because that's the easiest three in the game. And it, it's, it is. It's, and, and I, yeah. you know, you can you can say like, yeah, De'Aaron Fox and uh, Davion Mitchell were there. But again, anybody who's played basketball knows this. That's a total instinct move. It's what you're taught. Um, you, you're a help. You're two passes away. So you need to be in help defense. And yeah. they, it's not like they were up by three, right? So giving up a two still loses you the lead. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, you can't say, well, there's no way you could have given up a three there. That's the only shot they needed. That's not true. They could have had an easy layup to get the lead as well. So. That's true. And that all comes down to missing that free throw, right? Exactly. Yep. Well, I want to give a shout out to everybody here in the chat. Shout out to Fred. Thank you, Fred, for the super chat. We appreciate it. What's up, Gotham? Sass. Uh, let's see who else is over here. Look over there. Elaine, welcome, welcome. Central Valley King, welcome, guys. I see Mike in here, too. Thank you guys all for tuning in. It was another tough game of basketball for the Sacramento Kings. And, dude, they just keep crushing my heart, man. Like, <laughs> I, I would have been happier to see them get blown out by 20 in this game. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah. oh, Luka Doncic isn't playing. Maybe they have a chance here. They started out so hot in this game. They did. They're up by 19, like you said, at one point. And I'm just like, here we go. They're they're making a run for the play-in. That, that's the difference between good teams and bad teams, though, right? Like, everybody – Alvin Gentry's been a very hot uh, topic of conversation over the past few weeks, really ever since this, the trade deadline, you know, because now the Kings roster is better, so the reason they're not performing is on the coaching staff, right? Well – when you have a really good team like the Mavericks, they make adjustments at halftime, both offensively and defensively. Their small ball lineup absolutely killed the Kings. Yep. I mean, Sabonis, he does what he can on the perimeter, but he is not a good perimeter defender, mm-hmm. especially guarding, trying to guard wings. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what Dorian Finney-Smith is going to blow by him every single time. And in the third quarter, that was the difference. They just got to the basket at will. Mm-hmm. Nobody could stop them. Yep. Yeah, so it was a good opportunity for the Kings to make up some ground. You know, the the Spurs lost today, the Trailblazers lost today, but the Lakers were able to defeat the Warriors, which is crazy. LeBron James, 56 points, 10 rebounds. Huge, huge game for LeBron. I don't think he's trying to miss the playoffs, Calvin. Uh, no, <laughs> LeBron is def- LeBron and missing the playoffs, that's... Uh... You know, hell freezes over before that happens. Yeah, he's not looking for a draft pick. What's up, Bryce? What's up, Charlie? I see you guys here. Welcome, welcome. All right, Calvin, I want to go over your keys to the game, and then we'll dive into the box score. Is that cool? Sure. Uh, Keys to the game, number one, was outside shooting tonight. The Mavericks are are a really good defensive team, and they're really good at guarding the three. Um, The Kings for the most part, had a pretty good game overall. I mean, the, down the stretch, they missed some some big ones, missed the whole, oh, the whole rim. But, you know, 9 of 25 overall, 36%. I mean, you, you take that on most nights, especially against a team that's as good guarding the three as Dallas is. Number two was the turnover battle. They did not win this one. 16 total turnovers for the Kings, 10 
for the Mavericks, some really costly ones there towards the end. And there were also some very near turnovers that didn't happen that could have yeah. been really, really bad. I mean, that one De'Aaron Fox play on the top of the key is the one that stands out to me. They they really dodged the bullet there. In fact, they even end up getting a foul, I think. And he had no at turnovers that. at that point, Yeah, which yeah. is wild. Uh, and then my, my third key was uh, fast break points and transition uh, points which the Kings did a good job of in the first half. Um, but in, the, in that second half, the defense tightens up. They only end up with seven fast break points for the whole game. So, uh, I mean, overall, yeah. though, you, you look at the team stats, the, the Kings did everything they needed to do to win this game. Uh, they had 66 points in the paint to just 44 for Dallas, and almost all of those it felt like were in the second half. Uh, they out-rebounded Dallas. The, the shooting percentages are basically equal. The free throws hurt, 12 of 18, uh, you know, especially those mm-hmm. missed free throws down the stretch. But th- this was a game that the Kings not just played well enough to win. They absolutely had this game up until about midway through the third quarter. And then I think they had this game until two minutes in the fourth quarter or maybe a minute left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Dallas doesn't take their first lead until I think it's 95-94. Yeah. Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just late-game execution, right? I mean, when you're a bad team and you lose a lot, you're not in these situations frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some people might think, say, well, you have De'Aaron Fox and he's on a roll, so it should be simple, right? Just give him the ball and get out of the way. But as I mentioned before, that hurts the Kings as a team, I think, overall. They, they need – they're not a good enough team to overcome stuff like that. Yeah, they're not. And as I mentioned, De'Aaron Fox ties his career high, 44 points tonight. We needed just a couple more from him, Calvin, just a couple more. A couple more more from anybody. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, let's take a look here at the the box score. And and then I want to talk about HB because uh, I don't want to say I have issues with HB, but I would have liked to see a little bit more out of him offensively tonight. Sure. Well, we'll start right there. Harrison Barnes and Justin Holliday are the, the low men in the starting lineup, nine points apiece. Holiday, another rough shooting night, four or day, four of 12, one of seven from three, HB three of eight, one of three from three. Sabonis, again, you can just pencil these numbers in every night, 15, 10, and six, 11 points for Trey Lyles on five of eight shooting, and De'Aaron Fox, the the star of the night, or sorry, day, I keep saying night, 18 of 31 from the field for 44 points to go along with six assists and a couple of rebounds. Uh, and then the bench, you know, the, the bench continues to struggle overall. Uh, DiVincenzo with 10 points, but he was just 3 of 10 from the floor. Yeah. Which is a bummer because I really like Rashawn him a Holmes lot. Is back, though. Yeah, Rashawn Holmes did return tonight. Uh, he had a great rebound towards the end of the game. Uh, didn't help them very much, but it was great in the moment. But on, on the topic of DiVincenzo, it, it's such a bummer because I really like this guy a lot. It just... It's the shot sometimes. But, I mean, you look in here at the box score, he's still 50% from three-point range. Yeah, yeah, that that is true. It's the And the rebounds, you know, the, the guy, it, it, I'm with you. It really is tough because I, I like his style of play. I mean, he's a very aggressive, good defender. But, it, yeah, this, the shot selection just is not quite there for me yet. He hasn't. He hasn't hit that shot regularly enough for me to give him the green light to shoot it in those situations. Yeah, and it's like, well, 
you, you have an ankle injury that you're healing from, and so your shot's supposed to get better. But a lot of these shots, like you said, are just bad shots, right? Like, if you made them, you'd be like, okay, I'll give you that. But they're really not that great at shots, and that has nothing no. to do with your ankle at all. Well, no, it shot selection definitely does not. And, and yeah, it's just the frequency of them, right? Like if it was just one or two a game, I mean, if he, he just takes that one deep one as the shot clock is expiring, you know, even though Justin Holiday is open in the corner, I, I'm still okay with that one in the moment with the shot clock winding down. But it's the shots like the one he gets off of that loose ball yep. uh, that almost ends up in a turnover. You get the ball back instead of just resetting it, Mm-hmm. Let's get everybody grouped together. It's in I'm the fourth jack quarter. One up real quick here. He takes a 27 footer for no no reason. Like <laughs> yeah, that one was tough. Really tough to swallow. Yeah, but at least I mean, as far as like him and Buddy Heald, because I've heard him compared to Buddy Heald just based on shot shot, uh, shot selection and stuff like that. He far outweighs it with the defense and the Buddy, energy. Buddy Heald is in a class stuff. of his own when it yeah. comes to shot selection. I just want to say that. I mean, I think Buddy some Chuckets. of the comparisons are are valid when you're talking about DiVincenzo and, and Buddy Heald. But, yeah, let's let's not forget what Buddy Heald's – what a Buddy Heald game looks like. <laughs> Jeff said, who's better their rookie season, Davion Mitchell or Isaiah Thomas? I'm that's, guessing that's he's I, talking about Sacramento have... Isaiah Thomas. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Pistons Isaiah Thomas yeah. was like nearly an all-NBA player his rookie <laughs> season, I think. So um, that's tough. I would have to go back and look at what Isaiah Thomas did over the course of his rookie season. I really don't remember it that much, to be honest with you. Yeah, and he was nowhere near the defensive presence that Davion Mitchell was. And we've seen Davion oh, Mitchell yeah. have some great shooting games this season. We've seen him have some bad shooting games, but the defense is always consistent for him. Absolutely. So that and, and that's he I mean, that's why he's so valuable to this team because you don't have anybody we just talked for a long time about how the thing that killed the Kings tonight was straight line drives to the basket. Yeah. Damian Mitchell takes those away more than 50% of the time, and he did it tonight more than 50% of the time. The problem is the team defense just isn't there to, to back everything up. Charlie says you could cut IT's left hand off and he'd be a better point guard than Davion. Well, unfortunately, Charlie, um, that one I, I don't agree with. But <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to play with. I mean, I've seen guys play with one hand, but it's hard. Especially when your dominant hand is the one getting cut off. Yeah. And, yeah, and Charlie is such a fan of everybody's off hand. Yeah, if it's so, Tyrese Halliburton, yeah. that's another story, right? <laughs> that's funny. So what do you see from HB tonight? I want to kind of go back to this because <laughs> it just seems like every other game we praise him, then we're like, "What's where was he at? Praise him, where was he at again? Only eight shots tonight. I mean, it makes sense when your best player has 31 shots, that's, right? That's the thing. That's the key. But it's like, HB needs to get some more reps, dude. He just needs it. Like, I, I love the the game Fox had tonight. I, I really do. 44 points, tied a career high. Like, great game. He was pretty efficient. You know, 18 for 31 is far above yeah, 50%. Yeah, better than 50%. Absolutely. Um, but I, I feel like there's a component where if you don't get your teammates involved and you just take all the shots yourself that it just kind of throws off the whole rhythm of the team. And then when you do need him, like at the end of the game, HB gets the last shot. 
and he only took eight shots in the game. That was only his third three-pointer of the game, and he hadn't had the ball for a minute before then. I just feel like it kind of throws off the rhythm. Absolutely. I, I mean, that's that's totally 100% it to me. It, the reason that Harrison Barnes wasn't more aggressive or, or you didn't see him putting up shots is because De'Aaron Fox was taking them all. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for Sabonis, you know, like – they need to run offense through the, the whole team more. They can't – Darren had a great game, but the the execution late late in game, in a close game, he, he's got to – they have to run more sets. Like they, they can't just say that the game's in your hands, man. Like that, they need – they need more production out of their supporting cast in order to win games because they're they're such a bad team defensively that they're gonna allow points. You know, so when he dis when Harrison Barnes disappears on nights like this, it's totally because they're giving the ball to Fox and saying, "This is your game. We're getting out of your way." Mm-hmm. And and Harrison is not a he's not a give me the ball type guy, right? Like. He's going to play within the offense, take shots, open shots when he gets them, uh, unless they're running plays through him, you know, like in the low post, or if it's a coming off of a screen, they get him the ball on the perimeter and he looks to drive and and get to the basket or get to the foul line. But when the, when you're in the second half of a tight game and De'Aaron's feeling it and everybody is just spread out to try to give him a lane to the basket, there's no movement, and the, you're as a result, you have guys like this who just can't seem to find shots for themselves. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what we've been talking about is if your best player can't shoot the three, I know De'Aaron Fox has made threes. Yes, he has. But I'm talking about late-game situation. Who's getting the last shot of the game? It's not De'Aaron Fox, right? If if it was maybe a mid-range or they needed two, he'd probably get the shot. But needing three... He's not getting the shot. We saw, what, like a Metu game winner this season, a couple other ones. These are all balls that were passed out by De'Aaron Fox when he drove inside. So if if you're going to be getting all the shots and you get your own rhythm, but then you can't make the three at the end of the game and you're dishing it off to somebody that has sat half the game or who hasn't got very many shots, it doesn't really set your team up for success. It, It really doesn't. Micah says, uh, the thing about the Kings right now is if Harrison doesn't go for 20-plus, we lose. And he doesn't score 20-plus all the time. That's true. I mean, they should have won this game without him scoring 20 points anyway. So, yeah, it's not – no Kings loss is ever on one guy. They're just too bad of a team defensively and offensively overall. I mean – not that they don't have good offensive players or individual talent, mm-hmm. um, but they're you know we we're talking about late game execution, all this stuff. You have your best player uh, is a guy that you don't really rely on for an outside shot. Yet he put up a bunch of them tonight because he was hot and yep. and he was feeling himself. So it's there's plenty of blame to go around. Yeah, I'm looking at Justin Holiday here, 4 of 12 from the field, 1 of 7 from three-point range. And not to mention, I'm just going to say it again, he left him wide open in the corner. But, you know, nine points for him tonight, nine points for Harrison Barnes. Both of these guys are starters. 
I know we've seen games this season where Mo Harkless has started. Speaking of which, he didn't play again in this game. Yeah. We've seen games where Mo Harkless has started and put up zero points or three points. The Kings usually lose those games. They need a little bit more production out of the bench. Or maybe they can deal with the lack of production if the shooting percentage is there. But when your starting shooting guard is one of seven from three-point range and he's shooting 30%, and then you know your your top shooting guard coming off the bench is also thir- shooting 30% in DiVincenzo, that really makes it hard on the rest of your team. Definitely. I mean, it, it's really a, a glaring hole when that's the th- that's what they're relying or counting on these guys for on offense that is outside shooting and you know DiVincenzo did shoot three of six today but uh, I think a few of those or multiple of them two of them came in the first half and he had one make in the second half I want to say yeah and a couple it, air balls it's just hard yeah when when that's what you're in there for on offense, that's the, yeah. you aren't going to see them take any other shots unless it's off of an offensive rebound. You know, you're right underneath the rim for a putback. That, that's these guys are out there to take threes, and when you brick them as much as they have been, it hurts. It really does. Well, we we heard the quote from Divincenzo early on, right, where he joined the team, and he said to the coach, "Like, do you like me shooting those shots?" Yeah. And Alvin said, "Well, were you open?" Yeah. I mean. At the time, we're all kind of like, oh, whatever. He's new on the team. We like his defense. You know, yes, he was open. Take those shots. Is it the same for you at this point, or has it changed a little bit where it's like, okay, well, how much of this is DiVincenzo, and how much is this coach enabling him or saying, hey, no, I don't want you shooting that shot. I want you running around screens. I want you moving. I want you open at the three-point line shooting those shots. I want you to pass out of these these far looks that you get, uh, you know, there's a reason he's open six feet behind the three point line, right? Like there's a reason. (laughs) Most people are open six feet. Yeah. (laughs) So I I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I I mean, that's a tough call for me to make just because I don't have access to the coaching staff or the players. Like, I I don't know how much of it is Alvin Gentry telling them, Hey, that's okay. Like, I like those shots. Keep mm-hmm. shooting them, all this stuff. I mean, I'm sure he is saying that to some degree, right? Because well, he's you not wanna... saying the opposite. He's not telling him that those are bad shots. Yeah, he's not yeah. yelling at him like we've seen guys yell at Buddy Heald. No, that's true. I mean, maybe he just hasn't been on the team long enough. And and I don't think DiVincenzo's had a game where he attempted, like, 13 or 14 threes yet. <laughs> but he true. did that on a routine basis. <laughs> so... It's it's just tough, man. Like the Kings need. We've talked about it before. They are a much better team when they're hitting their outside shot, just like a lot of teams are in the NBA. But the Kings, it's so much more important, right? Because they're not yeah. a good defensive team, and they they sometimes struggle to score. So anytime you have you can get solid shooting performances, it totally changes the complexity of the game for you. So you know, I, I, again, I don't know how much it is of DiVincenzo's just trying to put up those shots on his own or Coach Gentry is telling him, you know, keep shooting, something like that. But that that's what they need those guys to do, Justin Holiday and DiVincenzo and Jeremy Lamb. They, they're out there to knock down outside shots. I mean, DiVincenzo, they're out there to play defense also. But on offense, that's that's what they're out there for. How are you feeling about the coaching staff just in general as as far as everything that's going? Are you happy with these rotations? Are you happy with the minutes everyone's getting? 
you know, they've stuck with the same starting lineup here for a few games now, which yeah. we talked about consistency. Um, you know, if you were to replace Alvin Gentry with another coach, does it add a couple more wins in this last part of the season? Or are you just – is it is what it is at this point? I mean, yeah, it is what it is at this point. Like, that's that's a, another point that I've tried to make already, just in that, you know, Alvin Gentry is an interim coach. Uh, that's that's what you're going to get. And, and as far as the rotations go – you know, I do think that people aren't are putting a little bit too much blame on the coaching staff because when you have a roster that turns over as much as it does, like your rotations are obviously going to change. And then you throw in the fact that Rashawn Holmes has been out a lot. They've dealt with some injury issues. So, uh, you know, consistency in your rotations and your starting lineup is all is good and all. But I don't think that the, the Kings coaching staff has really been in a good position for that all season long, starting from day one, I I don't know. I, I don't think you're going to get anything different. And and to come down this stretch with all these new players going into a really important offseason, it makes total sense that those guys are going to get the Lions' share of the minutes. Like, you have to figure out what you're doing with this team in the offseason. So, I, I you know, I, I don't think there's really too much else rotation-wise that the Kings can do at this point. Because yeah. what's the point now of saying, all right, Matsu, we're going to go back to you as the starting four for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. What does that really do for you? They just need time to play together. They need time to get some chemistry. The coaching staff needs time to evaluate these players and put them in the right position. I think that's really hard to do in the middle of a season, especially when every game matters right now as much as it does because – it's like you want to experiment with the roster and try some of these other guys, but at the same time, like you want to stick to the guys that you know and you trust because you're trying to get every yeah. single win that you can. What's really hard for them right now is when they don't have Barnes, Sabonis, or Fox on the floor at the same time, they got nothing. Man. Yeah. Like it, all, all these guys, Davion has, has really, you know, performed poorly on offense lately. Pe the people that need to be stepping up, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, just aren't. So when those guys aren't in the game, the Kings are really behind the eight ball. Yep. Well, we got Skip here is joining us here in a second, but before we go there real quick, Calvin, Bruce wants to know if there's any player the Kings could trade for this offseason that would make them a playoff contender. I'm just going to throw one guy out there. That's John Collins. I think there's multiple people they could trade for that would make them a playoff contender. The question is, can you get that deal done? I mean, that's a the answer to that question, I don't have. But there's a, a bunch of people. I, John Collins would be in that group for me. Um, you know, if they were somehow able to pull off a Bradley Beal or a Donovan Mitchell type deal, I mean, mm -hmm. there's definitely players out there that are going to give you, that are going to make your team playoff worthy. Yeah. Question is, can they get it done? They got options, which is good. It's always good to have options. Yeah. It is always good to oh, have and options. And real quick, I also want, because I saw this question asked twice here. I think it's Rico. Okay. He's talking about Justin James saying, should the Kings have kept him because he, he finished the season pretty strong? I, in my opinion, Justin James doesn't make any difference for this team. Yeah, he doesn't make a difference at all. I don't, I don't know about you, at all. but. He yeah. doesn't make a difference at all for me. Uh, you know, I, I like Justin James a lot. He's a young guy. He's got potential, but you need guys that have been in the moment that are ready to do it right now. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that super chat. 
All right, guys, we're going to take another quick break here. And when we return, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into your Sacramento Kings with Around the Crown. Welcome back. This is Around the Crown. We're talking all things Sacramento Kings and beyond. Join the Royal Family by hitting that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, you might as well smash up that like button. All right, Calvin, we want to introduce our fan of the week and a very special guest, Skip from Sacktown Breakdown. He's been on the show multiple times before. He also goes by the new nickname, The Real Phoenix Jones. Skip, thanks for joining us on the show today. That's a little Easter egg right there. Um, hey, always happy to be here. I appreciate y'all having me. How y'all doing? Good, Good man. man. Welcome back. Good to talk to you. Other than the loss, we're doing phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> You're not still affected by these losses, are you there, Barry? <laughs> I wish I wasn't, man, but I feel it inside deep. <laughs> All right. What's I'm up, numb, Kings? baby. I'm numb. I see you here. Yeah, numb is definitely the, the place to be. So, Skip, we haven't seen you in a little while since we were in the Sacramento and, you know, we're going to be in Sacramento in just a couple of weeks. So we'll get to see you again, but I just kind of wanted to check your pulse here on the King season. Is it time to blow it up? Is it time to, to set the tank? Uh, you know, where are you at here? <laughs> uh, the keys in the tank are, are the keys inside of the ignition of the tank. I've been there for a while. It's like we got it on um, like when you can just like turn on your AC and like listen to your radio. Like we didn't turn it over yet, but like, you know, we're in there like bumping our favorite like we're bumping our tank playlist just ready for money to be like go ahead and fire up and just drive that thing straight into dr in draft heaven. So, um, yeah, we're, we're about there. I mean, you know, for, for a long while now, I just didn't feel like this, you know, with the moves that have been made and, and I, and I, and I see the positivity and, and how they have been working, you know, Sabonis, Lamb, uh, Justin Holiday, getting DiVincenzo, you know, um, all of those different pieces, um, you know, Lyles came over Josh Jackson, which, you know, um, Lyles had a nice little game not too long ago. Josh Jackson hasn't seen the floor very much. Thank God. Hope he's not in our locker room too long. He might stink <laughs> it up. But, um, you know, with all that said, you know, the, the direction of this team has kind of continued to just go downhill, not closing out games, not finishing games enough. They just don't know enough about the small things of how to win basketball games yet for us to really even consider the play-ins or the playoffs. Yeah, I, I totally feel that, man. Late game execution. Yep. It's its what we have been talking about this whole show. Like they, they aren't in those situations often enough, first of all, right? So when you get into them, right. all of a sudden it's like, I don't know what's happening. Just give De'Aaron the ball and, and get out of his way. And luckily for the Kings, he had a great game tonight, but he doesn't always have those games, right? So yeah. I, I'm, I'm confused as to why Sabonis is definitely involved in the offense. Like they try to get him the ball in space, but sometimes I don't think that they're looking for him in the right spots or getting him the ball early enough. And I wish that he would get up a few more shots every game. I, do you get that sense watching this team play or? Absolutely. Um, you know, between them still learning how to use him, like he didn't have to really figure out much of how to use them, but they right. are trying to figure out how to use him. So um, I, I, I noticed that, uh, Cal. I noticed that occurring. Um, and, and a little bit also, I'll put some on, on his end. 
um, I've noticed him being down there, us needing a bucket, and him not going straight up for the bucket. You know, he's giving the guy the bump. He's right there, and him looking to pass it out instead, especially when he's got, got his guy one-on-one. He's such a good offensive and defensive rebounder. Um, the space is cleared out. Go to work, Sabonis. Um, not peep, I don't want everybody to overreact when I say this. I'm more so worried about the, the, the chat than y'all. <laughs> but it does, give, it does remind me, not nearly to the degree, and it's not nearly as frustrating, but it does remind me a little bit of how when Halliburton had opportunities to shoot and he wasn't looking for his shot, mm-hmm. not on the same level. Sabonis has been an all-star, but I think it's just a little bit of the newness of him being with the team and him just wanting them to know, I trust y'all and I, I want to work with y'all. Um, but we need to show him, hey, we trust him. We need you to take that shot. We'll live and die. You one-on-one with someone who's not an elite paint defender, you know, in the paint, go for it. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. And I think part of that is, you know, this is De'Aaron Fox's team, right? So you have guys like Sabonis, just like Halliburton, where they don't want to go too far with that. I think that one of the biggest things that needs to happen this offseason is it needs to be Fox and Sabonis' team, right? And not just De'Aaron Fox's team. You need to empower Sabonis. You need to give him that, you know, that courage and and say we trust you you're our guy if you feel like it's a good shot take that shot you know it's you and deer and fox it's not just fox's show and you're there grabbing rebounds and doing what you can and you know to touch on your on your earlier subject about you know the kings just not having what it takes to win these games not knowing these little things to do like i i couldn't agree more you know you're looking at the schedule here everyone got so excited off of off of the win against San Antonio and I'm included in this you know I I feel like oh wow we have a chance we can make the play-in but you know really you're looking at the schedule we lost today by one point to a team that's missing its best player in Luka Doncic and we still lost the game yes we beat San Antonio yes we beat Oklahoma City who's trying to lose games but the last game we won before that was February 12th that was almost a month ago. So, yeah. I mean, yes, you get one or two wins here and you get positive, but that, that doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Like This is still the same Kings team, in my opinion, and they need to learn and they need to move on. And I don't know if there's enough time to do that this season. Yeah, yeah that's I, definitely I, where I'm at, you know, mm-hmm. with it. Um, you know, whether it's Dante DiVincenzo, you know, chucking up uh, – three from the hash with 18 seconds left on the clock in the clutch. Um, You know, De'Aaron Fox still having trouble focusing, concentrating, taking an extra moment, visualize him knocking down the free throws, not only to tie the game and then one to win the game, which we saw him miss those and laugh Mm -hmm. it off. But in this game as well, when like we're, we're months past that, you have to execute in these moments. You got to know when to get to the line. You got to knock down your shots when you get to the line. You got to know when to eye your mismatches early and get the ball to those people so they can either get fouled by the smaller person or get the bucket. You know, you got to learn how to use your clock and don't get too jittery and be calm in the moment. We're talking about all those small things that that they have to learn how to do to win basketball games. That's how you close out games. And if you do that consistently enough, then you win enough games to get yourself into more fun 
set, you know, games for the fans like playoffs. But until you can do those things consistently during the regular season, there's no reason for me to believe that you're going to go up against teams that are more talented and know how to do that and win enough games to get into the play-ins or the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, we, we talk about all the guys they brought in are winners and high basketball IQ guys, but you're still your best player or, you know, the guy that leads your team in De'Aaron Fox, he hasn't been on a winning team in five years. Your third best player, Harrison Barnes, when was the last time this guy was on a winning team? Maybe Golden State? Like, they didn't win much in Dallas, so it takes a while to, to get that back, right? I mean. It does, and you have to be in those, you have to play in those situations a lot before you get used to and comfortable executing in them, right? Like Dallas is a good defensive team. They turned up the defensive pressure. They went small Mm -hmm. um, and it frustrated Sabonis big time, both on offense and on defense. They got a bunch of loose balls, bunch of offensive rebounds that, that really killed them there in that third quarter and in the fourth too. But yeah, loose balls, all that stuff, 50, 50 things. Um, Skip Dante DiVincenzo has obviously been a, a hot topic not just after today's game, but ever since he was traded to the Sacramento Kings. People have been very up, very down on him. I'm just curious what uh, – he's going to have to be re-signed, right, in this offseason? Yeah, he's restricted. Yeah. Yeah. How much is, as of this moment today, how much is too much money to give this guy in the offseason for you? Ooh, um, knowing what the – qualifying offer or whatever uh is would would be good to know first but um i'll say this i think it's like six million i think it's six million yeah i i'm not looking to pay dante divincenzo more than nine to ten million dollars um he and his although as well as he was doing before this year his performance this year both there um you know in uh, the, the small, what, 17 games that he played before he got to us, it's enough to warrant a reduction in pay. Um, his three-point percentage also went down. He There's enough to warrant, hey, you needing to prove yourself. They let you go, and they traded you here, and you saw what we, what we got in return from you. This is the best place for you to get get paid nicely and prove yourself, bet on yourself, and show the NBA that you are worth more. But And if you ter- help turn this franchise around by giving us a reputation of not being pushovers, of being competitive, of being hard-edged, of playing hard, then you will make more money than you probably even think you will. So I think that's a good way to approach Dante DiVincenzo. But um, he has not – he shows – like so many players that come across the Sacramento Kings that we tend to uh, grow an attachment with as Kings fans. We like players that play hard. Rashawn Holmes plays hard. Uh, Davion Mitchell plays hard. Dante DiVincenzo plays hard. We like players that play hard, but we tend to overvalue them because ultimately most of them don't give us results of winning. So let's let him continue to play hard, but let's not overvalue Dante DiVincenzo. I'll tell you, Dante DiVincenzo staying or leaving Sacramento is not going to make or break whether this team turns around to be better but he can he can help you know if he gets his act together and especially gets his three-point shooting percentage more efficient 
Yeah, I agree. And I feel like a lot of these guys, why they play so hard is because they've always had to make up in other categories, right? Like they haven't been the best shooter or the best at this or that. So they've always had to work a little bit harder to try and make up for that. And then the ones that really turn into like the, the stars are the ones that had that and then they were able to get better at shooting or whatever. And they have that work ethic that they can kind of pair together. I'm in the boat that I think Dante needs to start the rest of the season. Uh, and, you know, that that's not a win or a loss thing for me. That's just basically like we need to see what we're going to get for this guy, whether we, we can rely on him and figure out, like you said, what exactly we are going to pay this guy. You know, I, I don't think he's going to get paid more than what Rashawn Holmes got paid in, in the last offseason. And I, I'm probably okay with that. But it, I think he needs to start through the rest of the season so we can really get an idea on what De'Aaron Fox and, and Dante DiVincenzo look like, because I, I'm not paying two guys Rashawn Holmes' salary and have them both come off the bench. No, and Rashawn Holmes was like like top three in the league in field goal percentage when he got that contract for $12 million a year. Dante DiVincenzo officially ain't ain't nowhere near there, and I would say that I would say they're like they would be about the same. Maybe Holmes is a little bit better of a defender overall as player. So yeah, there's two two spots where you know, DiVincenzo doesn't even add up to Holmes where Holmes was at before, he, you know, the year he got that contract. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Cal? On whether he should start yeah. the rest of the year? I, I don't think it really makes much of a difference at this point. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm okay with it. I, I actually kind of liked what they've been doing over the past couple of games and starting Holiday and then playing DiVincenzo in the closing lineup instead. Mm-hmm. Um, I still... I still like Justin Holiday. I know people are really down on him right now because... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. He can't throw a grape in the ocean, but I think he, because of what he brings with Sabonis, he's a good long defender. I, I would have liked to have seen him cut off Jalen Brunson's left hand a little bit more today than he did, but he's a good defender. He is known as a 3 and D guy. I know he hasn't shot well right now, but he he's he's not any worse than what Dante DiVincenzo is doing right now. So to me, I would I would still leave Justin Holiday in the starting lineup 
to play alongside Sabonis, and I would play Dante DiVincenzo in, in the closing lineup like they have been doing. Yeah, Buddha says Mo Harkless deal for Dante. I think Mo Harkless is making like $8 million or something. Oh, Mar Harkless deal for Dante. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm okay with that. Like Skip said, yeah, mm-hmm. over you know eleven ish million dollars a year is is too much for me. But I'm still comfortable signing him to a multi year deal if the price is right. Yeah, I agree with Sass here. I, I think that Dante is is definitely underrated in the rebound department. And that's something. This, oh yeah, this for team sure. Has, has absolutely sorely needed. You have a guy like Sabonis and Dante DiVincenzo both grabbing rebounds. I think this greatly helps the team. But, you know, I got to agree with Skip here. Ultimately, he is not going to make or break this Kings team. He's a good role player. I think you need, like, if you're going to bring him back, he has to come back on a reasonable deal so that you have money to bring in the guy that you really need, right? Because this team is probably one guy away. I don't know if it's at the four or at the two, but I think that this team is one really good player away from competing and on that topic, Skip, I want to hear your thoughts on on the four position. Trey Lyles starting. Are you happy with it? Would you rather have somebody else? Where where are you at on the power forward position right now? There's been no performance from yeah, anyone that's exactly. been there. It's like that, who who else are you going to play? You know, <laughs> like yeah, no, like no one no one has put their name on that spot. At least with Trey Lyles, you know, I'll say. I think um, a little bit of the versatility that he brings is nice, and he does, and he is experienced. He is an experienced player at that spot. So, you know, I mean, it's not like we're going to be winning very many games anyway. Yeah, sure, you can like let him play there and see what you got in him. Um, I, I think we've seen enough minutes from, uh, you know, we've seen enough minutes from Harkless. We've seen enough minutes from Chimezi Metu to know what they're going to bring to the uh, to the position. So, yeah, I mean, really, at this point, yeah, you can just keep letting Trey Lyles run and, you know, evaluate him and see if you feel like he's someone that you want to bring back or if you just want to do him a favor. So, you know, show him off to the league and, you know, and a little bit more than the Pistons were doing. You know, it's we that's one of our I would say that's our biggest question mark than anything, because, you know, worse come to worse. Yeah. OK, we start Terrence Davis next year like he's going to play hard, you know, a little bit of a streaky shooter, but he'll hit enough of them. You know, he'll give you enough energy. We really need to figure out the four spot. And um, I got a feeling Mondi's going to use some of those picks, probably even all of the picks that we can to figure that out because he's in win now mode anybody you'd target for that spot if you're monty i I was looking today uh, me and my cousin we were just trying to think of fours that are on teams that they you know are trying to go young and would be willing to move them and i i didn't get around enough spots in the league to where i figured out you know uh, someone to plug into that spot so you know i don't want to throw anybody in there that i don't really believe in i just got to be honest and say i'm not sure who that team is so i can't determine who we might be able to make uh, a deal with uh but do, do y'all have any clue cal Barry? y'all got any uh, names or ideas besides john collins well yeah i mean i was gonna say john collins is definitely the hot name right now um a lot of people don't really like Jeremy Grant just because you're going to have to pay him a ton of money. And, and I'm not sold on his defense either. I, I just, it's so obvious to me that this team is dramatically better if they get a real power forward in there. I don't know who that person is, like you're saying, but if they, if they get anybody who can give them 
even 20 solid minutes a game, it's going to change so much for this team. I mean, upgrading at the two would be great, like we keep saying. You have the chance to get somebody like a Donovan Mitchell or a Bradley Beal. That's a no-brainer. Everybody yep. obviously agrees with that. But I think this team takes the next step, even if they don't upgrade at the two, but they get a true starting power forward. I really think it changes everything for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Siakam, uh, but don't know how available he actually is. You know, the Raptors start out really slow this season, but they're in the playoffs now. They're above 500. Yep. A guy that I really like, I know he's a little bit older at this point, but I really like Serge Ibaka. You know, I, I think he's got a great game. He's a he's a rim protector. He can also space the floor and hit that three. He's a champion. I, I would be really happy to bring Serge to the, to the Kings. And I think he also has one of the best nicknames in the league in the Serge Protector or Serge Ibaka. He's got multiple, yeah. So uh, I would love to bring Serge Ibaka to Sacramento. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I've, I've always liked Serge Ibaka, you know, he, he can play defense and then, yeah, he developed that shot. Um, he's a, a character, you know, so he's, he'd be entertaining, you know, for the fans and the community. I think he's um, one of you know, 18 or one of 19 or something like that. He does have a lot of siblings. I, I remember when he was siblings. on the thunder, they were talking about the starting front court on that team, him and Steven Adams to combine. They were like one of or two of 38 or yeah. 36 yeah, Stephen or Adams has something like crazy siblings also yeah oh sorry for gosh. interrupting <laughs> um yeah but um yeah so you know that like I think I I can see it my only thing is like you know he's not as mobile and I guess we could play him at the four and still have Sabonis at the center I think it would make more sense to go the other way with it to have Sabonis at the four and have Serge at the center. Um, but you know what? I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, we got to try something. We got to figure something out. Yeah. And him being able to space the floor and, you know, him being a rim protector for the times that he is down there, you know, and, and he can protect the rim whenever those situations occur, maybe transition defense, who knows. Um, it would be, It would be helpful to have because we really, really, really could use that. Totally. I like Serge Ibaka as a, as a player. I'm just not sure he's the starter for an entire year, though. I mean, he, he's definitely lost a step. He's, he's only been 32. Hurt. He's been hurt a bunch over the past couple of years. I, I'm not sure you can rely on him to be your starting four for an entire season. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me it would be, you know, I, I would bring in a guy like that if I were able to draft a guy, maybe sit somebody behind him for a year. Oh, maybe I'd he's love the, to have him come he's off the, the, the yeah, stopgap for me. I also like P.J. Tucker, but he's also older. I think yeah, he's like same, 36. Same situation. 36 yeah. at this point. But I, I think you guys are – I think we're all in agreement here that the four is – the biggest position of need. I wish we could just throw Rashawn in there, man. I, I really wish that he would fit with Sabonis. He just yeah, not gonna happen. He doesn't he doesn't protect the rim enough for me. He doesn't protect the rim enough and he, he doesn't play in space either. I, I mean Sabonis can a, a little bit, but I, I don't really trust him too much to be hoisting 18 foot jumpers all the time i want him in the low post mm -hmm. uh, I, like we've talked about earlier we don't think he's being used in the low post enough uh, they're they're getting him the ball too high which is great for cutting and passing but it's not good for him scoring 
So, yeah, I, I think Rashawn Holmes takes away some of that space if you're going to play them together. What do you feel is, like, the ideal fit next to Sabonis? Because, you know, we saw him in a few different places now, you know, with, with Oklahoma City. Uh, then we saw him in Indiana with a guy like Miles Turner who can shoot the three and protect the rim. I know you want him inside with space. Yeah. Does that mean you want to bring in a guy like a Ryan Anderson or a Rashard Lewis kind of spacing guy at the four? Or, or what's the ideal fit next to him? Uh, it's definitely somebody who can space the floor. I, I mean, I, I want somebody who's going to be able to, I, I mean, it sounds terrible to say this just cause it's a repeat of stuff we've already said, but Siakam or John Collins, like those two guys are able to get out and run with the Aaron Fox. They're able to space the floor. They're incredibly athletic. You can also get them the ball in space and say, go get a bucket. Like that, that's the type of guy you want someone who is, who's very versatile and is able to, to stretch the floor a little bit as well, because you, you also want to keep the lane open for De'Aaron Fox, right? That's your, Mm -hmm. your bread and butter. So I'm, I'm looking for, we're also accustomed as Kings fans. That's why we keep throwing out the names like PJ Tucker and Serge Ibaka. (laughs) Cause it's like, those are the guys you might be able to get on a discount and they're older and no, you know, people don't want them anymore. Um, so everybody's like, ah, oh, yeah, those guys are looking good. We can get those guys. But we really need the, the Siakams of the world, the John Collins of the world. That's We talk about being in win a win-now mode or trying to get to that. Um, so those are the type of players that they really need to go after because they're, they're game-changing players. They can play within a system, but they're also good enough to where they can go and get their own basket. Yeah, I see somebody here in the chat. I think it's Buddha suggesting Kyle Kuzma. Anybody liking Kyle Kuzma at the four? I certainly wouldn't be upset with that. Skip, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad at Kyle Kuzma at the four. I don't know that he'd be my first choice, but you know, I mean, if 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 we can't get you know, if we can't have it all, if we can't get a shooter and a defender at the four, then I at least want a shooter. And if we can't get like a great shooter, like a really, really good shooter at the four, then I want either someone who's uber athletic or someone who's got some scoring talent. So that's where Kyle Kuzma would, um, would fit that description. Yeah. I think he's got one year left next year, 13 million left on his deal. So I think a, a Kuzma for home swap works out financially. Would you guys be into a deal like that? I would do that deal. I would definitely do that deal. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That was easy. We're all on the same page here. <laughs> Key King says Mo Bamba. Thoughts on Mo Bamba and Sabonis together? You guys have any thoughts? Oh. Skip's got I do an not want to do that one either. Not want n- n- no, and and I say that as someone who went back again recently because I w- <laughs> I didn't want that deal before, and I was like, have things changed? Can can my mind be changed? Because I I want to find some solution. I I'm not just dissing it just to diss it, but like but I have to give it an honest shake. And when I went and I looked at him again, watched some games, looked at his stats. I'm just like, no, he's 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 still not there, and I don't think it would fit enough. He still doesn't hit the three consistently enough. Um, I feel like he's a little too slow to be at the four spot. Um, yeah, Sounds like another Mo we def- had at the four yeah, spot I earlier this season. definitely wouldn't be playing him at the four. If, <laughs> if I had the two of them, Sabonis would absolutely be playing the four for me. And I, I think Sabonis is better as a five, so... 
It's yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, bringing in these guys like Sabonis that are, uh, you know, a Swiss Army Knife player, right? He's not a DeAndre Jordan type that does one thing well, uh, or or two things well. He really is a Swiss Army Knife that can do all different types of things on the basketball court. And I feel like sometimes those guys are even more difficult to find a player that complements them, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Mo Bamba w- was as good of a rim protector slash rebounder as somebody like a Rudy Gobert, then I would definitely be thinking more about it. But he he just isn't consistent enough on that end for me. Gobert could be available. I mean, we're hearing about this Gobert, uh, sorry, Donovan Donovan Mitchell thing. Yeah, much, much rather have Donovan Mitchell. Think about all the boards you're getting with Sabonis and Gobert on your team. Yeah. That, that's and true. Vincenzo. But then you're, you're changing the style of play so much. I mean, a, a team with Sabonis, Sabonis can run. Like, we see him start the break. But if De'Aaron Fox is starting the break and you've got Sabonis and Rudy Gobert out there, that's you, you're just completely changing the way that you have to play, which yeah. is, is not the end of the world. You would just have to keep building the team around that, you know? And touching back here on Mo Bamba, it's his fourth se- season in Orlando – he started 51 games this season, averaged 10 points, almost eight boards, and almost two blocks a game. Is that not, not enough for you guys? It, they're good numbers, but, I mean, again, I think, like Skip said, you have to go back and actually look at some of those games. I mean, some of that – first of all, he plays on one of the worst teams in the league. So their stats are always hard to really interpret when you're looking at the real bottom dwellers of the league. And, uh, you know, two blocks a game is nice. But, again, I, I don't like him playing alongside Sabonis. I, I and he's shooting have to, 34% from three-point range. That's a lot more than I – or a lot better than I thought he would be. But um, what was the uh, – what was the uh, – remind me of the attempts again? Uh, for Mo Bamba, mm-hmm. uh, three-point attempts, 3.6 a game. Yeah. Not bad. One out of three, not bad. He's um, playing better than I still Armo. Do, I, that's true. I, I, no, that's true. I mean, uh, yeah, that does maybe change the way I think about him a little bit. Two blocks a game is really good. Um, but I still, in terms of fit on the team, and I think there are other players out there that may be attainable that would be much better to go get than Mo Bamba. Yeah. You know? I mean, the Magic don't even want him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That says something. Well, we saw what happened in the last center they traded, and now that team is uh, in the playoffs, and that's the Chicago Bulls. So, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how you can take that as far as going to the Kings, but Mo Bamba's young. I mean, He's they, got a lot of talent. I'm just saying. I mean, not that I'm a big Mo Bamba got fan. Far, away, far and away the best player on that team. So yeah. That's, that's true. You got to take that into account as well. Skip, I want yeah, to hear. I want to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. on Davion Mitchell. You know, we, we haven't talked about him for a little while. Everyone was, you know, really high on on him going into the season, uh, as you should be. He played amazing in the summer league and preseason, all that. This year, he's had a lot of up and downs. We saw him start next to De'Aaron Fox and and actually play pretty well offensively. He seems to be in another rut. Two for nine tonight, 0 for three from the three-point uh, line, only four points. I, I want to hear your thoughts on on Davion Mitchell, what you expect for him through the rest of the season, and uh, is, is he still our backup point guard? 
I am not for, for the acceleration path that Monty McNair wants to take right now. I don't think that he cemented Davion as our sure shot backup point guard. I would not be surprised if that's another one of the things that Monty McNair looks to upgrade, um, especially with him trying to get into not even just the playoffs play in next year, but the playoffs. And you need a sturdy, very reliable backup point guard for that. I do think Monty McNair believes that Davion Mitchell can be a guard uh, of the future for Sacramento. And if not, then I know he's confident and be able to trade Davion in order to get something. Um, And that's, you know, that's the advantages and the wisdom of, you know, taking best player available. If you truly believe that is the best player available Uh, overall, Davion Mitchell, I'm not really worried about. He's, um, you know, the things that he's good at, you know, um, on ball defense up until, you know, a screen comes along, Um, but on ball defense, he's really solid at, Um, he is a, he finishes better around the rim than I thought he would, especially with the NBA just being a lot bigger. Um, guys being a lot, you know, more experienced. He, he's crafty enough to finish around the rim enough, better than I thought. His three-point shot, I was not truly convinced that it was going to remain that good. So I'm not so surprised that it's that much worse. I wish it wasn't as bad, but I expected it to be a little worse. I think it's something that he can work on. I'm not fully convinced that he will get back to, like over the course of his career, I'm not you know, sure that he will, you know, end as a 40 point, you know, 40 percent, you know, three point shooter over the span of his career. But honestly, if he can just consistently be at around 37 um, over the span of his career, maybe even 38, that'd be really good for me. And uh, I think I think that's I know that's something that he'll work on. My biggest thing with Davion that um, that bugs me is really his free throws. I I, like, okay, if your three point percentage is one thing, but you ain't, you got to get your three your free throw percentage up. It needs to be way better than it is already right now and next year. It can't be anywhere close to this. Um, so that's where I'm at with Davion. I'm happy to have him on the Kings and and I, I hope he um, can show consistency in making the changes on the offensive end. Um, and and I am even a little more surprised about some of uh, the playmaking ability that he has shown, um, you know, at times. So it's promising. Yeah, to clarify, he's 58% from uh, from the line this season, which is yeah, not good not good at all. Your and thoughts, he, Cal? He was a career 60% free throw shooter in college as well, so it's it's always been a problem of his. Uh, I, I'm definitely not ready to quit on Davion Mitchell. For a team that is as bad defensively as the Kings are, I'm really I, – I get it that people are disappointed with his play offensively and that he's been very up and down sporadic and and has had a lot of trouble shooting. But that being said, he is by far the best on-ball defender on this team. De'Aaron Fox should be Mm -hmm. the best on-ball defender, but he's not right now. Davion has done it all season long. And he he has that type of uh, game-changing ability on defense. There In the NBA, there are very few people – that you can say, okay, go guard this guy one-on-one and get a stop. Yeah. It's just the way the NBA works. Like These guys are incredibly talented, especially one-on-one, but he has that defensive capability, and that is incredibly hard to find. I his agree. Shot, his shot mechanics are good. I think the shooting is going to get better. I mean, we already saw it get better for a brief period of time this season. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Skip. The free throws do bother me like that's something that he hasn't shown any improvement on 
for you know basically his entire basketball career. So that's definitely worrisome. But I still think there's a place for him on this team because he plays such phenomenal defense. I agree with you. I think his playmaking has been better than what I anticipated it being at the pro level. Um, so I, I'm definitely not throwing in the towel on Davion Mitchell yet. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I still think that this guy has amazing potential. For me, if you look at some of the best you know, two-way players in the league, most of them all started out as defensive juggernauts and couldn't really play that well of offense, and the offense came later on. So I, I kind of see Davion as a similar guy here. Yes, I agree with you guys. You know, the free throws have definitely got to get better. Uh, on that subject, I watched a Nets game the other night, and I forgot how ugly Blake Griffin's free throw shot is. It is absolutely horrible, man. It, it is so ugly. But to Calvin's point, I think that Davion has the shot mechanics. I think he's capable. <laughs> yeah, right. I think he's capable. Uh, so, you know, I, I still have a lot of high hopes for him. And I'm going to go back to what I'm saying about, about starting. You know, I'd love to start Dante. I'd love to start Davion. I think one of these guys should be the two for the rest of the season. Maybe you split the games between the two of them. I know what I'm getting out of Justin Holiday at this point. I need to see what I'm getting out of one of those other two guys. And I think the minutes are just so, so important for them. I see here in the chat... Um, I don't remember exactly who it is here. Oh, Jay Drew wants me to circle back on something we talked on a few podcasts ago, and that's Tyler Hero. Uh, he is playing lights out. He is due for a contract. Uh, you know, the Heat have not always been uh, the most generous in terms of handing out new contracts to players. We saw Dwayne Wade leave for Chicago because he was not offered uh, the contract extension that he wanted. And, you know, if Dwayne Wade's not getting a contract extension from Miami Heat, it doesn't look good for a lot of these other guys. Maybe they learned their lesson. Maybe not. What are your guys' thoughts on the Kings trying to get a guy like Tyler Hero? Uh, what can he bring to Sacramento? And what are you willing to give up, Skip? Um, player like Tyler Hero, wow. Um, man, he plays with such confidence. Um, you know, he plays with a with a true swagger. Guy plays like like a winner. You know, he plays, you know, determined and um, and he plays hard. You know, uh, someone like that could really, really, really help the culture in, in Sacramento. Um, I mean, we need we a need guy to take the last shot like, like him, right? Like we need a guy that can take the last shot. We need a guy that can take the last shot. We need a guy that can take a shot that'll, you know, get us back in the game. That'll get us <laughs> riled up. Um, you know, he does all of that. Now, with that said, he he is so good at all of that to the point where, like, the amount of money that we might have to pay him to come to Sacramento would not be the amount of money that I would want him being the backup point guard on. Like he would kind of have to be like a starting shooting guard, at least for the amount of money that it would take for him to even want to come to Sacramento. Cause he's going to get offers from teams that are better than the Sacramento Kings. And he just may want to stay a winner. So the amount of money that we would have to give him for him to pass up those teams and come here uh, to us would be like the starter type money. It'd be um, a max deal. I think he'd, he'd get a max and he'd be the starting shooting guard, in my opinion. He, he is a starting shooting guard. Yeah. I, I mean, he just is. Miami has – they're of such a talented team. Yep. And they have the luxury of having a system to where they're saying, hey, we want you to come off the bench and be 
the guy, right? Like if he's in the starting lineup, he's not the guy anymore. He's still a, a really good player mm-hmm. and a, a valued option. But that's the reason they have him coming off the bench in Miami is because they basically are saying, it's your show when you're out there. You, you go and yeah. get it. And then he finishes the game with the starters too. But I guarantee you no, it doesn't matter if he's on the Kings or any other team next year, he will be in the starting lineup because he's yeah. and absolutely be, played. And he'll be on a like max a deal because yeah. somebody will offer him a max deal. And maybe they're going to have to do a sign and trade with Miami to get Miami not to match it. But, yeah, sorry, back on your point, Skip. Oh no! I mean that that was that was mostly it. Like you know, it would just be starting money, and he would have to start. And oh my gosh, De'Aaron Fox at the one, Tyler Hero at the two. I might not worry so much who our four is at that, at that yeah. point. Yeah. You know, if that's Throw what we had set there. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why not? You know. No, I, I'm agreeing here with people in the chat. I don't think it's very likely, if likely at all, that the Kings end up with Tyler Hero next year. The question was, how much would you give up to get him? And unfortunately, you're going to have to give up more than you want to now because of the way he's played this year. I mean, he's averaging 20 points a game coming off the bench. He, he's a starting caliber player yeah. in this league. He's really come into his own. And, yeah, it, it's it's going to take a bunch to get him. I, I think he's definitely a max player. I would pay him to be a max player on this Kings roster. And if I have to give up our draft pick, to get Miami not to match the deal, I think it's worth it because he he's better than anybody we're going to get in the draft right now. Maybe you draft a guy if we have the third or the second pick or something like that who's going to be better in, in four or five years. But if you're trying to win now, you got to make moves like this. You, you have to. Uh, speaking of the draft, I want to talk a little bit about the draft here. Uh, I went over the numbers. Let me pull them up here. Skip, I don't know if you uh, you watched the Royal Report yesterday. We had you featured on, and we appreciate you for uh, sending in that video. So if, if you guys have not seen that, make sure you check it out. But I broke down, basically, right now, the Kings have the sixth worst record in the league. Um, they have a 29.7% chance at the seventh pick, a 20.6% chance at the eighth pick, and then as far as like winning the lottery, 9% for pick one, 9.2 for, for two, 9.4 for pick three. As of right now, they have a 0.2% chance at the 10th, and there's no way they can drop lower than the 10th pick as of right now. May 17th is the NBA draft lottery. That is a huge day for us Kings fans. And then the draft comes in on the 23rd of June. I know I asked you this last time, Skip, and uh, you're not as big of a college guy like me as Calvin, but uh, is there any guy that you're looking here, you know, that the Kings need to get, or are you still in the the pick-must-be-traded boat? I'm still in the pick-must-be-traded boat. I haven't looked at draft picks anymore um, than I had at that time. I hear some names and stuff thrown out, but I haven't looked at anyone to kind of give my own analysis, you know, and see how I feel about any of them, but... The only way that we end up picking anyone in the draft is if Monty McNair doesn't sell off this draft pick along with some others and, you know, pop possibly even some players um, to get another player. He's not like where our scouts are doing what they need to do because that's what they get paid for. They're constantly analyzing talent that could make this team better. And they have a passion for doing that. So they're they you know, don't care whether the pick gets traded or not. They're doing their job passionately. But 
I just don't see how it makes sense that Monty McNair prioritizes, you know, not trading the pick and taking a player when we need, you know, to your point about Tyler Hero, he's going to be better than any player that we get in the draft. And in most cases, that's what Monty McNair is looking for. He's looking for a sure shot thing, take that draft pick, ship it off, get a player that we can plug in now, build some chemistry earlier in the season, um, get, you know, De'Aaron Fox got his groove back, so he'll start up a little bit. And hopefully, you know, after the first third of the season, he'll already be back to this form, possibly even better. And then we're taking that piece and we're pushing, you know, hard and, you know, taking wins and, you know, hopefully playing better defense with the with the better coach. That's what I think next year ideally looks for looks like for Monty McNair. And if that works as Kings fans, we'll get on board for that. So I think the pick isn't even going to be here. But if you guys have any players that you think that would look good if we can't get rid of that pick i'm all ears well i think that there are players again i'm kind of looking at it like you were saying from the scouts perspective like there are some players that i i like in this draft i i don't think that there is a franchise changing player right away from day one available there's a couple big guys um that everybody likes they're at the top of everybody's board jabari smith and Mm -hmm. chet holmgren Mm -hmm. who i think would work for the kings however those guys are probably going to be a couple years away from developing into the type of player that you need in order for the kings to get where everybody wants them to go so while i love jabari smith as a prospect i don't expect the kings to use a pick on anybody in this draft because i think that they're in the wind trying to get to the win now mode and they're going to use that pick like you said skip to trade for another guy um you know i like Jaden ivy i like his potential i love his defensive ability there are some wings out there that are solid players but again they're not going to to turn your franchise into a winning franchise from the day you draft them i'm talking about guys like keegan murray from iowa aj griffin from duke so there are players like if the kings do end up keeping this pick there's a handful of players that they could take. And I would say, I like that pick. You know, I like this Mm -hmm. guy. I like who he is, but they're going to be the same team next year. They're, they're not going to be it. That one draft pick is not going to change enough for them in order to make them a playoff team. It might give them some hope for the future, but that's all we've had to go off of for uh, how many years now in Sacramento. So I, I think Monty McNair is going to do everything in his power to acquire another big name talent, whether he uses the draft pick or not, more than likely it's going to require the draft pick. Um, so yeah, I guess that's a long-winded answer to say there's there's some guys I like, but I don't expect Sacramento to be taking them. Yeah, if, if there's any time for the Kings to become the Lakers, and I, I mean that in like it's win now it doesn't matter what my picks are Uh, i'm not drafting and developing talent i'm winning right now this is the time to do that you just traded for a two-time all-star you got rid of one of the most promising players i think in the league in tyrese halliburton obviously one of the most loved players here in sacramento but the reason you did that is because you're trying to win now Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to work out for the Kings this season. I'm still hopeful, but I don't think they're going to end up making the play-in. Hopefully, they can stay healthy. Hopefully, they can create some chemistry and build towards something this offseason. But this offseason has to be about win now. That, for me, means the pick will be traded. 
All right, Skip. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. I just have one more question I want to ask you before we let you go here. I don't know if you saw the news today on Zion returning to New Orleans. Apparently, he is cleared to return to practice and uh, step up his rehab from the foot injury. What does this mean for the Pelicans? What does this mean for Sacramento? I know we're battling for the ninth and the tenth spot. Tonight's loss definitely didn't help the Kings, but New Orleans is getting some replace or some reserves here in uh, Zion. Oh man, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> so I'm with Zion's you coming, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that's been like the headline since before the season. And even when he did come back and he was getting closer to playing, you know, he had some sort of setback exactly. and stuff like that. Exactly. I, I wish him the best and I wish him the most health and this season was only a season, you know, where or another season where we did not get to experience the explosive, exciting, you know, rim punishing player that is Zion uh, Williamson. So, you know, I, I want him to get better. I hope he gets better soon. But that's more up to Zion and his body than anything else. Um, so I don't think it means much. Like, hopefully he gets healthy. Like, he's not even in game shape. So I don't think he's going to come back and help them. Uh, win very many games but if he can get right by the time of the playoffs and if they can uh or even just a plan and if they can use him to you know make a push to get in that would be really good um other than that you know he just needs to get a little bit of confidence before they are bounced out and go into next season um what does it mean for the sacramento kings nothing is a good omen for the <laughs> sacramento kings um uh, i guess we, we better draft position so hopefully the draft um you know uh, the draft pick is more appealing to move on but that would be about it overall i'm more i'm more concerned as a basketball fan about zion williamson's return to the nba than i am a king's fan and what it might mean to us let's just get him back so we can enjoy him doing crazy blocks and crazy dunks and posterizing people he does always have made i mean he has big games against a lot of teams but he really likes playing the kings he, yeah, he had some very, very big games against Sacramento. This Pelicans team could be very, very oh, scary in a year gets or so. Back to 100% healthy, yeah. yeah. Watch out for this team. That they're 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 already much, much better just with CJ McCollum added yep. to that lineup. But they could be really good. Yeah, I really, I really like the moves they're making. And if they can, if they can get Zion back healthy, that just you know the sky and is. It's the, funny too because one of the things we've heard for from Zion Williamson's camp is that he's frustrated with David Griffin, right? Yeah. And that he doesn't think David Griffin's doing a good enough job there. Yeah. I'd say he's doing a pretty damn good job so far. He went on and got Valanchunas in last year's offseason. Yep. Now we got CJ McCollum. You already have Brandon Ingram. Like this team is very talented. Very, and and the talented. point guard they picked up was it Graham? Devontae Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah great point guard Graham. as well. Yeah. If you know, we all talked about Monty sending De'Aaron Fox a message. David Griffin sending Zion a message in picking up C.J. Yeah. McCollum because McCollum has been absolutely balling for this team. I am a huge C.J. McCollum fan, and we even touched on whether the Kings should have should have picked him up or not. You know, what do they say? Like uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You know, last year we talked about should the Kings sign Demar Derozan, and we're like, nah, Derozan, he's <laughs> a mid range guy, and you know he's getting older, overpaid. And, yeah, so I mean. We're not, we're not the experts, guys. We're not. We're just fans like you. We're just having fun. But anyway, Skip, we want to thank you for joining us on another uh, podcast here. We will definitely see you 
in just a couple weeks. We'll catch the the 18th with you um, against the Celtics. And then uh, I think we're going to make it to the Arco celebration on the 19th as well. So we would love to see you for that. Is there anything else you'd like to say? You know, the floor is yours, man. Um, no, I just always appreciate coming on here and, and talking with y'all and engaging with, you know, the, the royal uh, community. And I uh, appreciate everybody in the chat, you know, saying agreements, disagreements. We're all just Kings fans just trying to enjoy this team and trying to figure out, you know, how they can get back into uh, the glory days or at least the glory days of the future. So thanks for everybody in the yeah, chat. Man. Thanks for the royal family. And thank you, Calvin and Barry. I appreciate y'all. Can't wait to see you on a few weeks. I'll pick you up. Let me know when you're coming in. I'll come pick you up. <laughs> Thank you, Skip. Always good to talk to you, brother. All right, Skip. Have a good night, man. Good to see you. You too, y'all. All right, everybody. It is break time again. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to take a look at the Kings next week of basketball with Kings Crusade. Vinny, do you see those comments about the audio? Welcome to Royal Rebounds, the Sacramento Kings YouTube channel for fans by fans. The Kings continue their crusade to get back to the playoffs or the play-in. Next up is the New York Knicks. If you're a Kings fan, make sure you hit that like button down below and please consider subscribing to the channel. Calvin. Kings lose tonight, but that's okay. There's another game. We're playing the Knicks next. How are you feeling about this game? I think they're on, what, a six-game losing streak right now? Uh, did they beat Phoenix last night? They were winning. No, Phoenix won at the buzzer, huh? Man, they sh- the Knicks should have won that game. I think that's actually seven-game losing streak Yeah, seven-game yeah. losing streak. Uh, well, it doesn't matter how many games in a row the Knicks have lost. If you're playing the Kings, I'm still worried about it. But... Uh, I, I don't want to. I'm done using the term winnable game. <laughs> I'm just done using that term. Like, it's going to be a battle for the Kings to win any game from here on out. It just is. The Knicks are another really good defensive team. Uh, they've been up, very up and down. You know, a lot of people expected them to have a better year this year coming off of that big uh, push into the four seed, I think they ended up with last year. Got a mm-hmm. home series in the first round of the playoffs, but it's going to be a battle. Like uh, there's no way around it. Yeah. You know, the, the Knicks are kind of all over the place this season. Maybe we can try and get Julius Randle tossed early and you know, that'll obviously help because that dude has been balling. I mean, he, he started the season off a little slow, kind of like De'Aaron Fox, but he has really picked it up as of late. I think he's averaging 25 or 26 points per game in his last like seven or eight something like that is that your key to the game it's one of them because the the kings have trouble dealing with big men good talented big men um and you know because the kings are going to play mitchell robinson also i'm not sure sabonis is going to be on randall so the question is who guards him um so key number one is how do you play randall who's the matchup i think they need to double team him early um and often force the ball out of his hands you know i, I would be much much happier with rj barrett just hoisting threes all game long than I would with Julius Randle consistently getting the ball in the mid post and going to work. Number two is going to be rebounding. Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle are are two big, solid rebounders. The Kings have 
good rebounders for their size, but they don't have a lot of guys at that size that they play consistently um, to match up with those guys. So they're going to have to crash the boards big time. And then number three is cut off the the straight line drive. Uh, I mean, that it was such so glaring in this game today how Dallas got back into this game. They attacked early, pushed the ball, drove straight from basically half court because they were trying to get the offense initiated early before Sacramento's defense got set. The Kings are one of the worst transition defenses ever. I mean, they mm. just suck getting back. And Tell them picking, how you really feel, Kyle. Tell them how you really I mean, feel. they're a garbage team defensively, man. I'm not saying anything that's, like, mind-blowing at this point, you know. So they, they've got to get into a defensive stance. They have to get their defense set right away um, and, and pick up and cut off those drives. But, yeah, really it's very much going to come down to rebounding and how you play Julius Randle to me. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with Sass here. It really comes down to rebounding for this team. How big of a difference can Sabonis make? We haven't seen Sabonis play against this Knicks team while he's been in Sacramento. He really helps out on the rebounding front. Same with Dante DiVincenzo. We, we've, you yeah. know, raved about, Barnes too. about his rebounding ability. Uh, for me, the biggest point about this game is, you know, the Kings, they were riding high after the last victory. They unfortunately lost the game today. They were up 19 in this game. They let it slip away at the end. They just finished up this five-game road trip. They're returning home on Monday to play the Knicks in Sacramento. I think it's going to be a big game. And, Calvin, I, I'm going to predict a Kings win here. I hope you're right. Yeah. I think the Kings really need to play fast in this one, too. I mean, New York is definitely a slower pace type team, sort of a grinded out in the half court. You know, they pride themselves on defense and, and holding teams to a, a low uh, scoring total. So I, I would love to see the Kings try to get out and run as much as possible in this game. Yeah, I think I think that's really important. The Kings have to control the pace of this game. Then Wednesday, they go on to play the Denver Nuggets. They have a few days off before they go on the road to Utah to play the Jazz on Saturday. Then you and I are heading to Vegas. We're going to watch Kings Bulls in Vegas. We're going to watch Kings Bucks in Vegas. And then we're going to return we're going to a whole bunch of the NCAA yep. tournament first two days in Vegas. I cannot wait for that. My favorite two days of the year, probably. <laughs> and then we're going to return to Sacramento on the 18th for Kings Celtics. So hopefully we will see you guys all at that game. And then Saturday we will be, or we're trying to go. I think we're going to make it happen to the Arco Farewell on Saturday the 19th. So hopefully we will get to see you guys all. For that, we will keep you posted on what our plans are for after the Celtics game, whether we're able to uh, you know, organize a podcast somewhere or not, or if we're just going to do something on our phones and just go out and hang out with everybody, we will let you know. But thank you guys so much for joining us on another Royal Rebounds podcast. Make sure you hit that like button down below, and please hit that subscribe button. It really does help us out a lot. You guys have a wonderful evening. Unfortunately, the Kings lose, but that's okay, guys. It will get better. And like I said, I am predicting a win on Monday against the Knicks. So have a wonderful evening. In the meantime, go Kings. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, 
ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.